Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's another edition, a very unfortunate edition of the Forever Mighty Postgame Show. It's the uh, maybe hashtag fire, car, uh, fire Carlisle edition as uh, it started happening on Twitter. We'll get more into that. Eddie. Uh, how the hell are you, man? Were you excited to watch this game or what? You know what? I kind of was. And then I think the way it was starting out, it was, you know, we were all kind of happy, I guess, the way it was starting out. It seemed like things were going to go a little bit better than what we expected. And then the Ducks managed to figure out a way to ruin it. And, of course, in typical fashion, it had to be in the second period where the Ducks have historically had issues. But... Honestly, I, I, we'd have to go back and look, but I feel like this is probably the best. I mean, the worst second period they've ever had. I mean, just the amount they're outshot, we'll get into it, but just just a brutal, disappointing game. Oh, you mean when you're outshot, even strength 19 nothing, it's a bad period? And maybe you should <laughs> learn how to play some hockey in that time? I mean, I don't know, man. It, it was probably one of the strangest games I've seen in a long time because the first period was pretty close. Uh, yeah. I didn't really have a problem with the first period. You know, every team makes mistakes here and there. And this team's full of rookies, so I try to give them a pass on a lot of things. Like, hey, man, you know, they got a lot of youngsters in the lineup. Um, maybe they're going to be off a little bit. This Dallas team is good, star-studded. Um, the only place they're not star-studded, in my opinion, is in net. They got they got a stud in every other position, it feels like. Um, but that second period, there's no excuse. No. There's just no excuse. Well, how many times how does, does that happen? happen? Like, how many times do you think that's happened where a team hasn't registered a shot five on five in a period? Like, I don't I, know, man. I feel like it doesn't happen that often. Like, that's just ridiculous. Like, they get severely outplayed like that. I mean, they had three shot attempts five on five, let alone no I mean, shots at all on net. And then the, the only chance that they had, including the goal from Henry, came on the power play, and that was it. 
I oh, I basically just stopped paying attention to the third period, to be honest with you. Like, I was watching it yeah. off and on, and then I was, like, checking Twitter to see the, you know, the storm that was brewing by Ducks fans. And, uh, yeah, man, I, I don't know. We got to get into this, but let's, let's, let's talk a little bit here about the pregame news. Um, Ducks just capturing seven of eight possible points, a 3-0-1-1 record before they start here uh, in Dallas. It's Gibby versus Anton Kadobin, former Anaheim Duck great Anton Kadobin, as we will talk about here. Oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> Getzloff spotted on the ice, but uh, he was just practicing, not playing, uh, expected next week. Still no Patrick Gies, still no, uh, still no Kasha either. So the Ducks still hurting. Um, and no Nick Ritchie signing. So w- say what you will about those guys being out. Um, the excuse for this game, I don't think there really is one. But uh, the Stars were on fire coming in tonight. They had nine goals on that top line to start the season so far between Ben Sagan and Radulov. So the Ducks were playing with fire. And, uh, you know, you guys know how it went. We're about to break it down. Eddie, let's, let's cue the intro, buddy. Trying to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry. It's just, I love listening to the end of an intro, just listening and remembering that Paul Korea moment. Where the off the floor on the board moment, which ties in perfectly with this Sunday. Is it be Sunday, right? Twenty first is a Sunday, I think. A week from tomorrow, my friend. A week from tomorrow. We'll be there and maybe you guys will be there. We have a giveaway through our Patreon where we're giving away two tickets to the Paul Career retirement game. I believe they're in the two hundred level. It's uh, eligible for anybody who is a subscriber from one, three, five, or ten dollar tier on Patreon. We'll be giving away those tickets just to give back to the people who supported us so far. Yeah, just go to to patreon.com slash puck guys forever mighty. That's where you can see all the tiers, all the stuff we're giving back, all the extra shows. Uh, you can see where these co hosts of mine piss me off, which is great for our rant show. Plus a number of other things we're gonna be doing. Watch party coming up, people, next Saturday. It's in Yorba Linda, Lampos Pizza. We know the people there. They're great. Um, they got good beer there, too. Not just Coors Light or Miller Light or whatever that light beer crap you don't like. Maybe you do like it like me, and you're just like, whatever, I'm going to drink that. But uh, they got a little bit of everything for everybody. Eddie's going to be in town. Come party with us. Uh, we're raffling away some stuff. We might pay your bill up to 100 bucks too, if you win that raffle. So good times. Check out us out on Patreon, and then come to the watch party. But uh, we got I got to start here real quick, man. <clears throat> Got to talk about what's going on in the chat here. Uh, John John uh, Velofs just said uh, they just had more speed and they were more physical. That's that's a great comment for the show because it's true. Whereas Gordon Bombay likes to say something like "blow it up, trade everyone, fire the Sam Willies, fire Eddie and Patrick, and trade Jason to Anaheim Calling," and then he apologizes. I think he had a hard night, man. I really, yeah, really do. What I think do everybody think? had a hard night. Do you think they want? Do you want they want Jason and Anaheim Calling, or do we want to to get rid of Jason? I don't think we want to get rid of Jason. Nah, I want to keep him. He he, he brings the funny. So uh, I bring the angry. You bring the, you bring the facts. He brings the funny. That's kind of how it works. Um, and you bring the, and you bring the Canadian. So I'm, I, is, you know, I'm a no- what is the definable quality of bringing the Canadian? 
I'll let chat decide that. Anybody in our Spreaker chat, please define what it means to be Canadian from your opinion, even if you're not Canadian. So that's even better. You don't have to be Canadian to make this assumption or, or whatever you want to say. It's great. Um, <laughs> sorry, Eddie. I love you, buddy. Um, <laughs> I'm just waiting for the answers, what they're going to be. Probably so. all stereotypes. Maple syrup and Tim Hortons? That's a stereotype. And we live in igloos, yeah. Oh, and you guys know you guys all live in farm towns. I thought that was a thing. You all live in farm uh, towns. You know, that's that's maybe true. <laughs> all right, let, let's move on. Yeah, I know. We're we're uh what we're doing here is uh we're trying to avoid, you know, putting out the dumpster fire and breaking it down, but we gotta do it. Um the ducks, even in the first period, I felt like didn't get off to the to the greatest start. Hemmed in, hemmed in their zone a number of times. Gibby had to make some big saves. And um, if you're looking for something other than talking about John Gibson being a monster in net, uh, you're at the wrong show because this is just a repeatable uh, fact that's gone on since the beginning of the season. Uh, Jan Mark was able to walk all the way down in front of Gibson. Gibson makes a great save. Moments later in the next play, Richie brings one off the post. But the light that I've been waiting to see, Eddie, Lindholm and Manson together, Montour and Fowler together. What the hell's going on? We were on a roll. All of a sudden, they decide to split it up. This game starts turning around, and there you go. Randy Carlisle listened to the show and was like, let's change these deep pairings up. That's definitely it. It's, I, I highly doubt, or you know, maybe it is. Maybe it is the fact that they're finally looking at some of the numbers that we've all been looking at the last four games before this and how just abysmal, especially Fowler and Manson have been, but Lindholm and Montour at times. And they put him back together. I mean, it didn't really help in this game. Their numbers honestly weren't that great. The Stars are a very good team, and, and everybody but John Gibson played awful tonight. But what a, what a bad sign it is when we said, hey, maybe putting these guys back together will fix things. And it I mean, honestly got worse, didn't it? I mean, you look at the, the shots in this game, the final score isn't indicative of, of how many shots and how many scoring chances that Dallas got, but it really didn't change anything. I mean, if you just want to fly by the first period and forget to mention that I've scored two goals, we could talk about the end result. But, but I mean, yeah, it was bad. <laughs> there yeah. were bright spots, but it was bad. The first goal, of course, would come from none other than, than Jacob Silverberg, right? I mean, that guy's on fire playing for a contract this summer. Uh, circles the net. I mean, honestly, it's one of those seeing eye shots is all the uh, media likes to talk about when they see this kind of goal circles the net floats. What it just a floater from the top circle hits top corner. One nothing ducks. I mean, what a start of the year for Jacob Silverberg. Great, great start from him. And honestly, I think one of the reasons that goes in is because Maxim Comtois puts up a great screen in front of Hudobin where he really can't see anything. He blocks out the sun and the bug just is able to find the top corner. And one of the things I think a lot of people have not really looked at with Maxim Comtois is the fact that going into tonight's game, he's actually third in hits in the entire league. He's only behind Jordan Stahl, who's got 19, and William Carrier in Vegas, who has 23. And, and Maxim Comtois had 15 going into tonight. And you really didn't see it because he's not a guy that really goes for the big hit. He just knows how to play physical, and he knows how to play dirty and, and get in those areas. And he does that on this goal. He blocks out the sun in front of Hudobin. And Silverberg's able to just throw it into the top corner and, and gets a little bit of luck, of course, because of that. But what a start to the year, like you said. No, they definitely needed a bright spot here. And then another one would happen tonight as well. Kiefer Sherwood with his first NHL goal deflection in front of the net. Hell of a play by Lundestrom there, huh? That's your boy coming in over the blue yeah. line, putting it between uh, Brett Ritchie's legs, who uh, I thought was the first second they're going to clip him or knee him. Thank God that didn't happen. Um, Lundestrom throws it on net. Sherwood with the tip. It's 2 nothing Anaheim. 
the kids are all over the place in this game, which I mean, when they're, they're pretty much half the roster is the kids, even though Troy Terry was scratched tonight, uh, they're going to get involved. But you know, a great play by Lindstrom to enter the zone and then make a good play. I, I'm not sure. I can't remember who. I think he got around Pitlick or, or it was one of the stars player. He puts it right through his legs, sets, <laughs> sets up Manson for a great point shot that uh, Kiefer Sherwood's able to tip in. Uh, one of the prettier secondary assists that we've seen, from, at least from the Ducks all year, and a great effort by Lindstrom. And that's what we talked about on the last show where, you know, he's just a responsible player. He does everything right defensively, but he has that flash of brilliance on the offensive end where he can make things happen. And he really does because he keeps the puck in, gets a, a nice easy pass over to Manson, who's able to create the opportunity to tip it in for Sherwood. And, you know, we've got Comtois factoring into the first goal, Sherwood getting in on this one, Lindstrom helping out as well. Uh, the kids are everywhere. They have to be. They're the ones that are holding this team together so far in the first period as you get through this part. Um, what I thought would be great sh- uh, foreshadowing, but uh, just turned out to be just an utter lie, is I have a note that says, much, much, much better game tonight at yeah. the end of the first period notes. <laughs> what a shit show this turned out to be. Let's unfortunately break down this second period. Is it ironic um, that you have four matches and that's how many goals the Stars scored in the second period? I think it is. I yeah. think I was correct on that, right? Like, I figured it would backfire as many times as I said much, so I decided to put it. And yeah. I would hope that it would be, like, opposite day or something. We'll whatever. just blame it on you. I mean, if you want, you definitely can. I mean, my name is Randy Carlisle. But let's uh, let's get to the second period, man. Uh, it, it was, I don't have words, the most brutal 50, or 20 minutes about. I mean, there was a bright spot here yeah. because the Ducks would actually make it 3 nothing. And that would be on the goal from Adam Henrique on the power play. Holy hell, a power play. And then, hey, man, you're talking about these kids. How about Sam Steele with the assist on that? But, I mean, prior to this, you would never see this coming because they were on shot 10 nothing to start the second period. Yeah, and, and you, it, it's kind of ironic that the bright spot of this period comes on the power play where they should be getting chances. And it, they actually had a really solid setup. They were in the zone for a good amount of time on the, on the power play. And then it comes from Sam Steele finally getting his first NHL point off a great pass. Uh, I mean, he, Henry, if he misses from there, um, I mean, that would, that would be ridiculous. I mean, Steele sets him up with a great behind-the-net pass. Henry slams it home. And like you put in here, I mean, it's been the best power play they've had since the first game against the Sharks, where we saw that quick passing. We saw them get the Stars chasing in their own zone. And then it ends up it ends up contributing to a goal, which is something that we haven't seen for them in a while. But it comes after the fact that, like you said, the Ducks were being outshot 10 nothing to start the second period. And then right after the power play, they go right back to playing bad. And, and it, that's the whole sum up of, of really the second period is – Barring that power play goal and that chance on the power play, they were completely awful. I don't know what to say about the second period. I, I Honestly, man, I don't think I want to break down these next four stars goals because, I mean, people were blaming the officiating on the Ducks having to take penalties. Yeah. Uh, the call on Jakob Silverberg was garbage. It was pure garbage. But missed calls happen all the time in every game. When yeah. you're outshot that bad in any game, any period, any stretch of a game, and you take a penalty, it's not the referee's fault for making a mistake. How about the 90 mistakes you just made in that stretch that caused you uh, to be down? Uh, that's how I feel about it. It's not like the Ducks were dominating this game, couldn't catch a break, and it was a bogus call. They were being severely outplayed this entire second period. It was the worst period. I, I didn't want to watch it. When they scored the first goal, uh, the Stars, when Radulov got that shot off Gibby's helmet and went to the net on the power play, 
I was like, whatever. That's a whatever goal. The Ducks are living by the skin of their teeth. They have been for the past four games. Big deal. Give a power play goal. No big deal at all to me. But the forward coverage, Eddie, in this period alone was garbage. Why were there so many slot shots available to everybody? Uh, did you see anything that was telling to you? I don't understand where this defense, and I said <coughs> collective like that, like I explained last show, this defense meaning team defense, where is it? I Honestly, I have no idea. I, I mean, the, this entire period was just a mess. It, it seems like they broke down. And we've talked about the second period curse, I don't know how many years now, where the Ducks just can't seem to get anything going in the second period. And, and this was just, honestly, this is one of the worst. I mean, if you had to go back and look at every second period the Ducks have had where we've all harped on the fact that they lost the game in the second period, for me, this is one of the worst. I mean, you can blame it on officiating all you want. Yes, it was a bad call on Silverberg. Yes, on, I believe, the game-tying goal, Maxime Comtois was high-sticked off the face-off that allowed Sagan to go in uh, with Bennett, and they end up getting the goal. But for the, that, was the, that was their second goal, right? Yeah, yeah, I believe that was Jamie Ben's goal. So that would have been their third goal of the period. There you go. Yeah, we skip over Carrick from the slot. Yeah, but I, what, I mean, just the fact that you you can look at those calls and say, yeah, it hurt the Ducks, but the fact that they had no shots five on five, no shots on goal five on five through that entire period. How are you supposed to win a period? How are you supposed to win a game, let alone at all, when you don't even get a shot five on five? They had four shots that period. They got out shot, I believe, thirty to four. Three of them came on the power play, the one where they got the goal with Henrique, and one of them came on the penalty kill, which was Radulov's power play, and they ended up scoring on that anyway. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. Like you said, I mean, Carrick alone from the slot just gets to wire it right past John Gibson, who does get bumped in front, but nobody's cleaning up the crease. There was a comment in our chat saying people need to be more physical than just Luke Shen, and where's the Manson of old that's happy to get physical in front of the net? We haven't seen anybody do that. Nobody's clearing out the crease. Nobody's sticking up for John Gibson. And you can see it in his body language. I mean, the fact that after the Stars scored their fourth power play goal, or their fourth goal of the game, that Klingberg shot, and he was going to get pulled, and he asked to stay in for the rest of the period, shows you, I mean, he's just fed up. You know, he, he knows that he's doing everything he can. He wants to stick it out for his team. But, I mean, I wouldn't blame him if he just wanted to go to the bench at that point. I mean, nobody nobody's helping him out. Why is he the one that throws a punch? Gibby throws a punch at Jamie right? Ben for, I mean, he was, Ben was throwing some dirty cross checks on, on Josh Manson where it hurts, like right between the shoulder pads of the girdle that happens. Manson didn't do anything about it. Ben turns around and grabs him. Ben's a big boy. So, but Manson's scrappy and we haven't seen that Manson come around yet. As we're five games in, I know it's, it gets stressful to watch these games, we have to remember that it's five games in, but just dissecting this game right here, why is Gibby throwing a punch? I mean, out of frustration, and I don't mean it like questioning him, but why is he the one to do it? Why is this not a team that comes out and battles physically? I really felt that there was no physicality from Anaheim in this game. Uh, we watched Cogliano get buried. I watched Kemp Fowler get buried. I watched Lindholm get buried. I was nervous about Lindholm's shoulder, to be honest with you, going in the corner with Ben. I mean, Lindholm went shoulder first into the boards on his hands and knees. It looked like like right before the boards looked like a dangerous hit to me. Everyone's running through the crease. Where's the physicalness in this game? I mean, I don't understand it, man. This is not the Ducks that we're used to watching. Um, And you don't have to be this big grindy play the corners only cycle the puck to be physical. I mean, when you see your teammates getting taken advantage of, you need to do something about it, especially your goaltender. 
and a punch by your goalie who you just let 30 shots on goal on in the second period and you don't stand up and do something about it, it's very disappointing, man. It's so frustrating. It's so frustrating to watch this game. Yeah, because in the end, that forces him to take a penalty, and they, the Stars get the the, end, the eventual game-winning goal on the power play. And honestly, I feel like if that's a, you know some physical play by Josh Manson or by Luke Shannon or by anybody after the whistle, it probably doesn't end up in a penalty. But when it's so obvious as John Gibson, who is is face washing Jimmy Ben, I mean the refs have no, they they have to give him a penalty there, right? I mean you can't. But then Gibby should not be the guy who ends up doing that. He shouldn't have to be put in a position where he, he's the guy sticking up for himself when he's getting no help from his teammates. It's it's honestly sad. I mean, he's putting up Vesna performance after Vesna performance pretty much every night. He's been unbelievable the first five games of the season. But, you know, you normally don't say that about a goaltender who lets four goals in in a period. But when he's through two periods, he had faced 44 shots. That's ridiculous. I mean, you don't see that often. The fact that we saw that, I think, almost three times today is insane. You don't see it often. I mean, you don't even see 40 shots in a game that often. The fact that he faced that after 20 minutes, I'm not surprised he didn't come back just for the fact that he might be tired for facing that many shots in 40 minutes. There must be some weird voodoo in the NHL tonight because there was a lot of crazy shots on goal. I yeah. mean, that Carolina game was absurd. Ducks game was absurd. The Chicago game was absurd, too. Um, but this is nothing new for the Ducks this season. They they love being outshot. They love being outchanced. Uh, they love being outattempted. And they love being outscored. Um, and luckily, Gibby saved them from losing the first uh, three games. You know what I mean? And this yeah. game, he can only do so much. And I don't understand. I gotta. I, I, I don't like to bash. I mean, I, I do. Our uh, Fox Sports play-by-play and analyst. Why are you assuming John Gibson's hurt at this point? Oh, it's every I mean, time he goes down because he just gets up slow. Like that's just what he does. He gets up and plays slow, but they always assume he's hurt. He he didn't grab anything. He didn't grimace. He was laughing during this game because it was a laughable situation. What are you supposed to do? Your team's not doing anything in front of you. Why would you speculate that he's hurt? I, I just don't get it. Maybe it's because he's being lit up and constantly having to drop and get up. I mean, over and over and over again. He's an athlete, but he just faced a game's worth of shots in yeah. 20 minutes. I don't understand the speculation there. I mean, we all knew Ryan Miller was starting tomorrow. That's a foregone cl- uh, conclusion when you're playing back-to-backs. You no longer have to play your starter in back-to-back games anymore. This isn't the 90s or early 2000s. Brian Hayward needs to not do that. It's like, don't put speculation here on a team that's already riddled with injuries, man. I, I, I hated that comment, honestly. They, they have a goalie on the panel for a reason, don't they? I mean, if you think of anybody, he would know how tiring it is to face 44 shots through two periods and how demoralizing it is to, to make 40 saves and still be losing the game. I mean, John Gibson didn't deserve to get pulled. But he had the right to get pulled if he was that tired. I mean, I, I wouldn't blame him. And the fact that they are speculating him being hurt. I mean, there's no play where he got really run into that would have suggested he was hurt. He was just getting up slowly. John Gibson always gets up slowly. And the fact, again, like, as I mentioned, he gets up slowly after facing 40-plus shots. I, I'm not surprised. And I'm, I'm surprised, honestly, that when you have a goalie on the panel, a former goalie, that he can't really realize that. I mean, I don't want to criticize them too much, but like, come on, you, you, you can't blame the guy for getting up slowly. Not at all. I, I don't. I don't blame him at all for that. Um, 
So moving on to this third period, we see Miller get put in net. Surprise, surprise. And then, of course, that speculation again was Gibson hurt. No, nothing from the Ducks that came out and said he was hurt and under evaluation, at least not for him. They came out and said that Carter Rowney got hurt, which I didn't even see. The guy played a minute and 24 seconds, five on five. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't see what happened to him. Um, did they say it was upper body or lower body? I know they I announced think, it in the third period. I think they said it was upper body. Uh, the Ducks Twitter put it out. I'm pretty sure they said it was upper body. Well, hopefully he's okay. You don't want to see any more injuries hit this team. But uh, nothing on John Gibson. So anybody who's worried about that, about Hazy's comment, blow it off. It's He's apparently fine. Haven't heard anything otherwise. So I wouldn't assume he's hurt. But uh, this third period, man, it, it didn't really go the Ducks way at all. I, I feel like they had some more pressure. But I, I don't think they really had any grade-A scoring chances where I figured they were going to score. Uh, five on five, at least. I mean, they had four high danger chances in the four, in the third. I was at the fourth period. <laughs> in the third period, there, um, but nothing looked like it was something that you know that the stars had to worry about. The Ducks quit in the third period. Yeah, I mean, they ended up having thirteen scoring chances to Dallas's six, which was a big improvement from the first two periods where they got outchanced thirty-four to eight in scoring chances. So. But it didn't look like it. I mean, yeah, they had four high-danger chances. There's a couple good chances that they had, but nothing seemed like a grade A scoring chance. They, they really did. You really didn't notice, in my opinion, the four high-danger chances they had. Maybe that's because I kind of tuned out at that point. And you, I mean, I think we're all just a little bit frustrated with how that second period went. But yeah, they really didn't seem to get any sustained pressure going, and we could see that throughout the entire period. And and, and when you're down. Four to three after an abysmal period like that, you just let your goaltender down, and it seemed like Dallas was kind of pulling on the reins a little bit. They were letting up. They were just kind of sitting on that one goal lead. You got to jump on them, and they didn't. And yeah, they outchanced them. Yeah, they outshot them. But there really wasn't any great A scoring chance or any any real desperation to get back into this game. No, not at all. Why would there be? You're already losing. Your starting goaltender's resting. Uh, your backups in, um, your captain's out, a number of your other players are out. What's the point? I mean, I, I'm not really thinking they're thinking that, but yeah. they were obviously just beaten up. I really felt like they were beaten up and that they were down on this game. Um, there's a there's a problem. I want to get back to the physicality, if it's okay with you, um, with uh, our play-by-play guys. I have a problem with some of the terminology they use. Can, do you have a clip of what the hell John Aller said tonight that I about... I looked over at my wife and I was like, did he really just say that? Do you have that queued up? The, are you talking about the chicken salad thing? Oh, Jesus, yes. Oh, man. that I was tuned out of the game until he said that. And then you notice how that happens at least once or twice a year where he says something and you're really not sure if you, you heard it. And then you jump on Twitter and everybody else is like saying the same thing. They're like, did he really just say that? Did he? I'll play it because if you didn't hear it, it's it may, and he second guesses it too. Anyway, here, here it is. So the Ducks could make some chicken salad if they could if they could get a goal here on this power play with a minute 32 remaining in the... I mean, it just it makes no sense. He's like, the Ducks could make some chicken salad. And then he pauses. And I feel like he doesn't realize what he just said. And he's like, if they, <laughs> if they could score on the power play here. Like, what does that even mean? I can't Too even bad. figure that out. Is he, like, looking at chicken salad at the same time as talking? Or is he just that tuned out of the game? He's thinking about what he had for lunch today? I just... I don't get it. I mean, it's one or tw- two a year that he always says that people are just kind of like, what did he just say? But this this, I mean, tops, this takes the cake. This is one of the best. 
I mean, the best one all time, all time though, is Bob Miller for the Kings when he said, uh, <laughs> he said he's got eight inches of shaft in his hand, and he said that <laughs> during a live broadcast of the Kings. That was like that's that's the king of all comments from broadcasters. That was funny, and then he realized he said it and it became a joke. It was good, but uh, Allers, I don't know, man. I don't hate the guy. I don't hate anybody on that team, but I, I I'm not a huge fan of uh, some of the comments for sure. No, but. Uh, so this game, you guys, obviously, if you watched, you didn't watch. If you listen to the show, you obviously know it's kind of drab tonight. Uh, we got plenty of questions to get to, some post-game stuff I really want to talk about, and so does Eddie. So let's wrap this up here. Um, they end up letting in an empty netter in the third period on just a random clearing a tip tier by uh, Radic Fasca, and that would seal the deal 5-3. to three. The Ducks take the loss after leading 3 nothing and then deciding to fall apart in the second period. Um can we stop saying Big D? They say that every time oh, they go to I Dallas. I don't be know. Like if, it sounds so I, weird. Yeah, and I, I would feel like if, it, if I'm an opposing team and I'm playing in California, it'd be weird if I kept saying, oh, here we are in Cali. Oh, we're in Cali. Like, no one says that in California. Like, no one says that. Everyone in California hates that. So, I don't know. Saying Big D, it's like, dude, okay, we get it. You're in Dallas. I get it. You're in Texas. Everything's bigger in Texas, whatever you want to say about it. You think um, people in Texas hate I'm, – I'm sure it's the same, right? I'm sure people in Dallas hate Big D as much as you guys hate Cali. I mean maybe. I don't know. If anyone's from Texas and listening, please clue us in. Or if you know anyone who's Texan, clue us in on that one. I'd love to hear it. But uh, game wraps up. Ducks take their first regulation loss of the season. They're now 3-1-1. One, and one. Um, I guess the bright spots out of this game is some of the kids look great. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a lot of downsides to this game that I kind of want to get to here, man. But uh, 30 shots faced in the second period. I, I, I don't I would I wish I could see a period by period breakdown on who was on the ice for the most amount of shots in the second period. But at this point, it doesn't really matter. It yeah. really doesn't matter because the whole thing was just a just a, a, a dumpster fire. At that point, it's the entire team. It's an entire period. So you, at some point, you're going to see every line, every defense pairing out there. And the fact that the Ducks didn't get one shot five on five. I mean, that that's on everybody. That's on every single player who's out there. It doesn't matter who's out there more than the other. Nobody, not one player on one line could generate one shot on goal, five on five, for an entire 20-minute period. That's ridiculous. So it's on everybody. And, I mean, it, it's not even just this game. The Ducks this entire season have been outchanced 158 to 87 at five on five. That's horrible. I mean, it was bad last year. And somehow they talked about how they were going to play faster and it was going to be better this year. And it seems like, like I said in the beginning of the show, they took what they did bad last year and they just sped it up. And now it's even worse. <laughs> That's a great way to put it. They just sped up the bad and yeah. made it worse. Do you have do you have the questions queued up, man? I think we should jump into those because those, those are a lot of what our post-game show is going to be mostly about. Do you have them up or do you want me to help you grab them? Uh, I'll grab I'll grab some. I got some of the Instagram ones up here, so I'm sure a lot of them are going to be the same. But all right, so Toasted Revolt, and of course, yes, from Instagram. How do you give up a three goal lead and lose? Well, when you get outshot thirty to four in a period, you tend to give up three goal leads. I mean, yeah, I, I, can you better put? I don't think I can put that better than that. No, that's just the way it goes. I mean, that kind of goes along with... Uh, I had a comment on Facebook that said, what the hell happened in the second period? Uh, you stop playing hockey, and you blow a three-goal lead. That's, I mean, honestly, 
there's no other way really to put how that second period went. I would love to have been in that locker room in between the second and third period. I, I'm sure Carlisle, you know, peeled paint off the walls in there. Uh, at least I hope he did. I'm but, sure uh, Gibson really did do too. It. He had to. Somebody said, I can't, I don't know who it was on Twitter, but somebody said that the reason Carter Rowney was hurt is because John Gibson needed a punching bag in the second intermission. So they just <laughs> Carter, Carter Rowney volunteered, and now he's, uh, he's got an upper body injury. <laughs> <laughs> he threw him into the wall. Yeah, um, I wouldn't blame him. I got one on Facebook that I, I really want to talk about. You you mentioned to me on Twitter uh, to uh, save it for the show, but uh, Benoit Saucier says, do you think Carlisle should change his system? The boys aren't offensive at all this season, uh, or since the season began, rather. Do you think he should change it? Is Randy Carlisle the problem, Eddie, or is this more or less, let's give him the injury pass? He can't change it. That's we, we speculated this all off season where Bob Murray said that they've got to change their style, and we said well, how are they going to do that? They have an off season to do that. They're sticking with the exact same coach. How are they going to change their style? And then I guess there was a little bit of hype going into the, the beginning of the season. Would this team play faster? Would they be really that team that Bob Murray and I guess Randy Carlisle had hyped all off season? And it turns out they're not. It's the same Randy Carlisle system we're used to. But it's just they skate a little bit faster. And it honestly makes it a little bit less organized and a little bit worse than it was last year. So, no, I I don't think they can change anything. You need a new coach, really, to change your system. I haven't seen, especially a lot of the old-timer coaches like Randy Carlisle, it's very difficult, in my opinion, from what we've seen, for them to change their style this far into their career. They have a style of hockey that they like to play and that they're comfortable coaching, and we really don't see a change that often. A lot of the players are the same since when Randy Carlo came here. I don't see how they change. Even with all the kids in the lineup, it's still the exact same system. They're just a little bit faster. They just skate a little bit faster than they did last year, but it, it doesn't help. The system was trash last year, too. I mean, yeah. honestly, it wasn't a good system. This Randy Carlisle coach team uh, literally won games based on John Gibson's performance. And that's exactly the reason why they're winning games in the beginning of this season and keeping them close. Uh, the 5-3 to three loss tonight is not indicative of what went on in this game. This game should have been 9-2, to 9-3. to three. Yeah. Um, it, it just it, it's terrible. Um for anybody who's sticking up for Randy Carlisle and blaming the players, I don't understand. I would love to see a great argument for how the players aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, NHL systems are, are very well defined. The, the forwards know how deep to go. The D knows what, you know, what kind of gap to play. They know who's covering corners, covering the front of the net. The breakout with the forwards have to come back and play defense and help break the puck out. If you don't have solid puck-moving defensemen, then there might be an issue. The problem I have is the Ducks have solid puck-moving defensemen. This is what this team is known for. Yet they can't get the puck out of their own zone half the time. They get hemmed in constantly. So is it the players, which we've seen show shades of brilliance previously, or is it the system? I'm going to lean on the system. I I really feel like it's a problem with the coaching staff. I I don't think there's anything that uh, you can say that's going to be damaging to the players because it goes right back to Randy Carlisle and the rest of his staff for me. I, I think Carlisle... Has basically run out of time here. I don't know if they're going to fire him because his terms up at the end of this year. I, I think it's. I think it's always is both. I, I I tend to lean more on the system, but there are some players who, no matter what the system is, they should honestly be playing better. And it kind of leads into our next question here by Cat Ray on Instagram. She says, "Where is Raquel's offense? Is he just not as effective without Getzlaff?" 
no matter what system they're playing, Raquel is supposed to be an elite player for this team. And barring the first game of the season, he hasn't really done anything. So where is the offense for him? Yeah, he's not playing with Ryan Getzlaff anymore, but we always wonder, is he the guy who can drive play, or does he benefit from playing with a play driver like Ryan Getzlaff? Well, unfortunately, it kind of seems like he benefits from playing with a play driver like Ryan Getzlaff. That doesn't mean he's a bad player. Raquel is still one of the better scorers and one of the better offensive players on this team, but it doesn't really look like he can do a lot of it on his own, which is unfortunate because they kind of need that from him right now, especially when we have no idea when Ryan Getzlaff is coming back. Who was centering his line tonight, Raquel? Uh, Kessler, I think. It was Kessler, Cogland, on Raquel to start the night. I don't think that's a great lineup for Ricard Raquel. Because um, he's asked to guys. do everything offensively. Right. You, you can't rely on Kessler right now. I don't I, I don't think Kessler is going to be the Kessler of old 100%. And then we all know Cogliano is a great speedy guy, good defensively, but offensively a little snake bit in his whole career. I mean, he gets chances, can't bury him. So you're relying on a guy, you're relying on a guy like Ricard Raquel, who's to me, the trigger man. He's the guy who's just burying the puck. You got to get him the puck. He finds the open spots. You create space for him and he buries it. I think Ryan Getzloff's the best player on this team for that, clearly. Yeah. And with him out of the lineup, I think that's really affected Ricard Raquel's numbers, honestly. I, I said that last show, and maybe I even said it before that, but I really feel that's what it is. I think missing Ryan Getzloff just damages this team's offense to an extreme extent. No, it does. And, and honestly, I think even with a different system in place, I don't think this team is necessarily good enough to compete with a team like the Dallas Stars anyway. But... It doesn't help when the system that they play allows them to get completely outshot and outchanced throughout the entire game and throughout the first five games of the season. You know, if, if they cut that down a little bit, they probably give John Gibson a little bit more of a chance to win in the game than they already do. But it, I don't think anything really helps them at this point. Obviously, getting everybody back healthy will be a bonus. But even from there, the system is still going to be the same. You'll probably limit some of those shot uh, shot attempts against and shots against just in the fact that you'll be in the offensive zone a little bit more when you have Ryan Getzlaff and Andre Kasha and Patrick Eves in the lineup. But I don't think those three guys add necessarily enough to push this team into the positive on that section when they've been almost doubled. And I think the, the stat I mentioned earlier, I think it was 158 to 87, five on five shot attempts against. Do you really think adding Ryan Getzlaff, Kasha, and Eves is going to flip that to a positive number? I highly doubt it. I don't think so. There's a lot more to it than that. Um, Joseph Raba on Facebook says, what's the deal with the officiating? I mean, I hate to be that guy, but tonight was awful. I would agree with that, but I, I know I said earlier in the show, I don't, I don't really feel like you can blame the officiating when you're outshot that bad, outchanced that bad. Um, you can say there was some missed calls because there were. Uh, maybe it went against our team tonight, but it usually balances out over the, over the course of a season. The Ducks didn't do enough to keep this game tight. I mean, clearly. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think you can blame the officials for the for the loss. I don't think so. Uh, there were, yeah, like you said, there were a couple iffy calls that did end up, I, I guess, leading to goals. But again, it's just the way the Ducks played tonight, which really ultimately gave them a loss. Maybe the officiating is a small factor in that, but it is a small factor in every game you play. There's there's a bad call, a missed call, or whatever that plays into the the result of the game. But more likely than not, especially in this game. It's because of the system that they're playing. Yeah, it's that's exactly what it is, man. I mean, the officiating was bad, but the game was worse, and that's the Ducks' fault. 
A uh, couple more questions from Facebook. Zachary Gray says, do you think the Ducks can withstand all these shots and still make an impact this season? And I don't think so. I mean, that's clearly you're riding your goaltender 110 percent um, if you're Anaheim right now. And I know we, we I think we posted it or you'd sent it to us earlier. A little bit of uh, Dmitry Filipovich had posted on Twitter. I believe it was yesterday. He said the Ducks have played four games. They've already somehow given up 106 more shot attempts, 47 more shots on goal and 20 more high danger chances than they have taken. They've also banked seven of eight points because John Gibson's coming after that Vesna nomination he earned last year. Hundred and hundred percent, I agree with him on that. That adds that's a, an exact description of how the Ducks are playing this season. Yeah, and and I don't think they can withstand all these shots to still make an impact. If you're if you're forcing John Gibson to do this every night, I mean, it's amazing he's been able to do this honestly through five games so far. He's played outstanding in all five, but it's unrealistic to say every start, hey, you're going to have to do this type of work every start this season, and we're expecting you to be that good every game. It's not going to happen. There's going to be a time where he's not going to be able to be that good. He's going to get unlucky, and it's just not going to happen. I mean, he's he's a good enough goalie. He's a, he's a, a, I hate throwing the word elite around, but he's shown, at least to start the season, that he should be considered an elite NHL goaltender. And you can't ask anybody. You can pick the best goaltenders in the league and tell them to be in the position that John Gibson's in. And I don't think many are going to do much better than he's done through these first five games. So it's not realistic to say if the Ducks can withstand these shot attempts throughout the the rest of the regular season uh, because they can't. They're going to get to a point where they're not able to scrape out these wins. The fact that they've started 3-1-1 is amazing. I mean, they should be proud of that fact that they were able to pick up seven of their first eight points with the way they played no and i agree i think zach asked that question probably to calm down uh ducks fan twitter yeah right i mean because everyone's kind of like oh they're playing well they're playing well yeah they're winning they're winning it's like no 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 no. they're playing terrible and they're winning uh and that's all based on basically luck and john gibson so there's no way you're gonna see so many more games like tonight if something doesn't change that's that's my feeling on this season right now it's unfortunate um, but it's it's this is the worst you've seen the Ducks this season, and it's very much an indication of how these games could go if this type of play continues. Um, one more question here from Facebook. It's from David Rodriguez. This is a funny one, man. He says, uh, why the F are the Ducks reverting back to the dump and chase style of game? Why can't they complete passes? Why can't they stop giving the puck back to the other team? And why do Fowler and Manson suck right now? Um, <laughs> that's a lot. That's the, that's the question. Uh, that's a question for somebody who's been super frustrated watching this team. I don't blame him at all. Uh, reverting back to the uh, dump and chase style, man. Well, Dave, that's that's Randy Carlisle hockey, my friend. That's what you do. You play heavy along the wall, work the puck uh, down low, and create chances in the slot by cycling. Um, you don't do this fast break thing like everyone else in the league does. That's that's uh, too new school. You got to stay old school and grind it out to get the win. You don't want to make a fast break and, and create on the fly. I don't know what he means reverting. They've always played this style. I, I think since Randy Carlo has been coached, they've always been a dump and chase team for the most part. There's been a couple of games where maybe they've gotten away from that, whether that's been by accident or just by complete fluke or, or just matching up with how another team plays. But they've always really been a dump and chase t- team. Uh, and I think the fact this year, when you move on to this question, saying why can't they complete passes? Because I think they're trying to force playing a faster style that they're not really accustomed to or it's not really a system that's that works for playing at high speeds necessarily 
and it's just a frantic mess. And when you're trying to force those passes or playing too fast, then you're going to have a lot of incomplete passes, and that's what we've seen from the Ducks so far. And and it's not going to get any better because they just don't seem comfortable. They don't seem organized playing the style because it's it's like I said, it's like what they had last year, but they've just kind of ramped it up a notch in speed, and that doesn't necessarily work, and they've kind of proven that through the first five games. No, 100%. I want to hop into chat real quick here because this is something that's, I think, important for people to understand. Gordon Bombay asks, what's going to change, though? How different can it be once we get Kasha, Getsy, and Eves back? I don't think much. Um, it's going to be less painful, for sure, because those are great players, especially Getzloff. I think he's a, he's the calm of the storm. Uh, he knows how to slow the game down, and he creates a lot, and he's also very responsible defensively. So I think things are going to change once he's back. It's very concerning to me there's been no update on Andre Kasha. And then Eves with that freak shoulder injury, <clears throat> car accident, whatever rumor that was, um, it, when he'll be back. But uh, who knows what kind of impact he's going to have. He's, he hasn't played in a year, so yeah. it's, it's hard to gauge. And then Kasha with a concussion, it's hard to gauge what he's going to play. But uh, So I answer that question, I don't think much. I don't think much changes. If this team is fully healthy, I don't think much changes. No, I, I think there, you'll notice a bit of a change. But I, I think it will just be close to what we had last year, honestly, where John Gibson is still winning you games. There's some nights where Getzlaff goes off and helps John Gibson out and helps you win those games. Um, and I think that's it. And, you know, Obviously, it will benefit the Ducks for sure. Having your captain and your best player in the lineup is going to help. And having a 20-goal scorer like Andre Kasha will be good. And then maybe putting Getzlaff back with Raquel, sparking his offense. And then if, if Eves can go in and play with those two and really get some chemistry going, then sure, it helps. Uh, sure, adding any elite player or any top six player to your lineup is going to help, but I don't think it necessarily changes anything in the fact that they're still going to be playing this system and they're still going to be exposed, maybe not every night, but on a night-to-night basis against some really good teams, against some good possession teams, they're going to be exposed and they're going to give up a lot of shots. And honestly, I think what we can expect is what we expected last season, where they'll they'll win a fair amount of games just based off of John Gibson, Ryan Getzlaff, and then some nights you'll get some support, supporting cast like Kasha and Raquel and Eves and others who step up and help along the way. 100% with you, man. I, I mean, it's the same team. We didn't see any giant star come to this team to, to sway things. Yeah. Uh, we saw a team get buried in the in the playoffs by the Sharks. So I think you'd get more of the same. I want to hop over to Twitter if that's okay, man. Are you done with the Instagram questions? We've got plenty on Twitter. We've got too. a couple more, but we'll go to Twitter right now. We'll, we'll finish off with some of the Instagram ones. All right. Um, I want to ask you this question, my friend. Are, uh, are, well, I don't, I'll answer too because it's for both of us, I guess. Will either of you be eating chicken salad uh, for lunch tomorrow? <laughs> uh, no, I will not be eating chicken salad. I've never I, – honestly, I don't even know. What does chicken salad really look like? Like you've you've never had chicken. Well, no, salad. I've had chicken salad, but right like right now I'm picturing like potato salad. Why? I don't know. I just I lo- I looked up because I was trying to put out a gift at the end of the game, so I was looking up chicken salad, and then my idea of just chicken salad just got completely skewed out the window. Like I saw some like mayonnaisey looking like potato salad looking thing, and then I saw like a Caesar salad with chicken in it. So now I have no idea what like an actual chicken salad looks like. So if you get like a chicken salad sandwich or an egg salad sandwich, it's usually like pretty good, but it's like mayonnaise and all that other crap in there. Okay. 
But right. if you're talking just salad, like greens and chicken, that's what I'm more accustomed to, too. I get the confusion. You're Canadian. You don't like American food. <laughs> All you do is drink coffee from Tim Hortons and eat poutine. I understand, man. There's, we'll, we'll take you to a great coffee spot down here, though. I don't know if it's up to Tim Hortons quality. But I'm also disappointed real quick on that note. None of you people in chat have roasted Eddie about being Canadian. So uh, on that note, maybe they're all just Canadian and really <laughs> friendly as well, or they just like me. Everyone likes you, dude. You're the nicest guy ever. But uh, uh, Paula wrote in on Twitter says, "Were you impressed with the Ducklings tonight and NHL first? I was. I felt like for the most part they played a good game. Um, it was nice to see Lundstrom make some moves, being as young as he is. Uh, I didn't see any big hits from Maxine Comtois, though. Our hit leader. I mean, thanks Josh Manson for not stepping up." <laughs> Yeah, I, I think this was the first game, I think, where they all made a noticeable impact. I think, obviously, come to our screening for Silverberg's goal and just still playing, like, a physical, physical all-around game. He almost set up Henrique for a goal, I think, in the first period. So he was just kind of all over the place again. But we got to see Lindstrom, Sherwood, and Steele get on the scoreboard. Steele with a, a beautiful assist, Sherwood with a nice tip, and Lindstrom with a nice move at the blue line for the assist on Sherwood's goal. So seeing them all kind of get involved tonight was the first time we'd seen that. And it was honestly surprising to see that happen without Troy Terry in the game because now it almost feels like all of them have taken maybe a step forward above him because he was a healthy scratch tonight, which means that they really favored all four of them above Troy Terry. And and the fact that going into the season, Troy Terry was the guy we thought would be most likely to, to stick around and should be the guy to step up because he's the only one out of any of them who played NHL games. Obviously, not a lot, but he'd be the, he was the only one who'd been around that environment and played in those games. And honestly, he's been the least impressive. Which kind of leads in. It's a similar question, so you can answer both of them as the one we just had. But Cat Ray again on Instagram asked who's been the most and least impressive rookie so far. I would have to say Troy Terry for me has been the least impressive. Brutal. He's been brutal. He hasn't done anything. He had uh, the highlight of his uh, season so far was the one timery off a Getzloff pass against the Kings in preseason. Yeah, I haven't seen him do anything uh, in the first four games. He was scratched tonight, like you said. Uh, and shout out to Rebecca in chat. Uh, you got an ally there, Eddie. Um, there are more Canadians out there. She's Canadian too. So uh, you guys go. are growing in numbers. Growing in numbers. It's only uh, just a short matter of time before you guys <laughs> take over the world. But uh, <laughs> so you have some friends out there, my friend. Um, Troy Terry. Well, let's talk about him for a second. Would you think there's something? I don't know. Was he overvalued because of his shootout capability, or do you think it's just he just hasn't found his niche? It's the beginning of a NHL career. He's missing his boy um, Ryan Getzloff. Also, like Ricard Raquel missing his boy Ryan Getzloff. How do you feel about that? So this is my favorite question to take because I get to kind of toot my own horn a bit because. Um, throughout Troy Terry's career, he's always been a little bit overhyped in the sense that, yeah, the World Juniors really rose his stock a lot. I mean, he was playing well at Denver, but then the World Juniors, and, and, and he didn't really have that great of a World Juniors until he scored pretty much every goal for the U.S. five hole in the shootout, and then his name just went up. I mean, it was like T.J. Oshie when he I did that in the Olympics. And, and Oshi was a great player, but before then he was kind of an under, underrated guy. And then after that, his, his name got some more recognition. It's not the same situation, of course, but now Oshi was a lot better player even after that with the Capitals. But Troy Terry in Denver played with a very good player who's in the Florida Panthers system and Henrik Borgstrom, who arguably was the better player and was centering the line with Troy Terry. 
Not to say that Troy Terry didn't contribute on that line, but you know when you're playing with better players, a la Ricard Raquel with Ryan Getzlaff, you tend to have inflated numbers per se. And then you know he comes over here, and I think there's just a lot of buildup on hype from his what he did in Denver. I think the fact that they had gone so far in the NCAA and his numbers in the NCAA, his his prowess in in the World Juniors, the fact that he went to the Olympics. I mean, all of that together, he just had like this aura around him that he was going to be something special and that he was a steal. And and I honestly, when I looked at him and when I saw what he, how he played and the style he played, he's a great playmaker, but he really benefits from the players he's playing with. And he doesn't really have a lot of offensive upside on like the goal scoring side. And, and he's not the best two-way player out there because he's not the biggest guy. And what do we know? I mean, it's 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 not that far into his career, but he hasn't looked that impressive. He had a chance. He had the best chance of all of these guys because he got to play with Ryan Getzlaff. And he didn't take advantage of that, barring the preseason game, like you said, where Getzlaff set him up with eight. Anybody should put that in the back of the net. He had an open net. Yeah, he had an open net to throw it into. I mean, it's a great spot to be in position. It looks really sweet because he goes down on one knee and one time is it in. But I'm not too surprised that he hasn't been all of what people expected of him because I think he was hyped up a lot more than he should have been. I think he'll still be a good third liner, an energy guy in this league, but I don't honestly think he's going to be like a 40, 50-point guy like everybody expected. I honestly think Sam Steele, Isaac Lindstrom, and Max Comtois are going to be the better players long-term. I got to say, man, he dominated um, uh, in in the uh, rookie camp, and he also looked great in training camp. Maybe it's just training camp I saw him in, but he, he should, looked great. Though. He's older than most of them, and he's also played uh, in, in a lot bigger games than a lot of them. So he's got a lot more experience in that sense. I believe it was his third rookie camp. He'd been to the World Juniors, which not everybody at that camp could say they had. I think only really Sam Steele and Max Comtois, um, if, and then Max Jones if he was there. Um, but he was hurt. Could really say that they would, had done that. Josh Maher played a couple games, but still. And then he also went to the Olympics, and NCAA is a, a lot maybe more competitive than what some of these guys are coming from in junior. So he should have looked good in that. Um, so I can't, and I never look at rookie camp and I, and I try not judge that on how they're going to do in the regular season. Cause they are playing against their peers. And a lot of times, if you have as much experience as Troy Terry does, you should play better against those guys. No, hundred percent, man. I agree with you there. I, he's been very disappointing for sure. Um, another, another, uh, couple of questions I actually found on Facebook. We got more, my friend. My buddy Craig Bidwell, give him a shout out. Ducks fan living in uh, Chicago, of all places. Brutal for him. Or he was former Chicago, now he's in Florida, I should say. But uh, actually haven't gotten to see the game yet this season, but just looking at the stats, are the Ducks winning because of good goalie play and luck? Because they're getting outshot real bad. He just yeah. saw the stat line tonight. That's exactly it, Craig. That's all it is. It's John Gibson, man. Gibby is playing his mind out 100% in that situation. Yeah, and luck because you look at the Brandon Montour's game. Uh, I think it was a game-winning goal in the game against San Jose, where he backhanded it over Martin Jones's shoulder into the net, and that's essentially luck. Or blame that on Martin Jones for just not playing his position. And even in the game against Arizona, where Ben Street sniped it short side on Antiranta, a goal that really shouldn't go into the back of the net, but it does. And then you've got John Gibson just playing out of his mind. So it's a combination of luck. And John Gibson, and probably 90% John Gibson, 10% luck. And the Ducks have somehow stumbled their way to a 3-1-1 start. 
but uh, I don't think we can really see it continue from here tomorrow. It, it could could get ugly. I mean, St. Louis did play tonight as well, so it's not like we're going into St. Louis against a fresh St. Louis team. Both the, the team Ducks stacked. Yeah, so both the Ducks and the Blues though are going into that game having played tonight. But I, it could be as much of the same. And with Ryan Miller being the starter, after also playing a period tonight, that third period is going to be heavy on him. St. Louis is likely going to go with whoever didn't start tonight, whether it's Jake Allen or Chad Johnson. I don't think it really matters for them. Uh, they're going to be coming at the Ducks fast. And they're a young team as well. They've got some of their rookies up in Robert Thomas and Jordan Kiru. So they've got a really experienced top six with some lethal players in Tarasenko and Jane Swartz, if he's healthy to go. And then a really young bottom six with guys like Barbashev and Thomas and Kairou. Uh, it, it, it could get ugly. It, it could be just as bad as this game, honestly. Well, if it's any indication how this game went, uh, just to follow up on Craig there, I just opened my fifth Oktoberfest beer um, of the night. So, yeah, it's been a tough night, man. Um, a couple other quick questions. Uh, what was what's up with Nick Ritchie? Says Thomas Hernandez on Facebook. Eddie, is his holdout uh, playing himself off the team? Uh, I could. I mean, it, it's pretty bad when you're holding out. You know, you, there's two guys holding out, and you look at who they are, and one of them is William Nylander. So you're like, oh, all right, that makes sense. The Leafs camp situation sucks, and Nylander probably wants more, but he's a 60 point guy, so whatever. And then you've got Nick Ritchie holding out for whatever. I mean, I think it was Elliot Tiford who tweeted out saying that the Ducks were looking for a three-year deal and Richie was looking for something else. I don't know if it's... I would assume it's probably longer than three years because they had called that three-year a bridge deal. So Richie must be looking for some type of long-term deal at a ridiculous amount of money, the fact that this hasn't got done. Because the fact that they're not really having any conversations means they're not close. So is he? what is he looking for? Like a six- or seven-year deal at like three or four million or something like that? I mean, I don't, I don't get it. I, I, essentially, he's, he's not just playing himself out of the roster uh, as it currently stands. He could just play himself out of Anaheim altogether. If they don't want to deal with it anymore, they could trade him. It's not like he's an important player to this team. And if they lose him, it's going to be a big deal. I mean, you look at the guys who've already stepped up. You look at all the rookies who stepped up in this game. Honestly, they've all looked better than Nick Ritchie has in a long time. You look at what Kiefer Sherwood and Sam Steele, Max Comtois, and Isaac Lindstrom bring to this team. We could argue that we would all rather probably have those four than Nick Ritchie and what he brings. I would agree. I, we haven't missed him. I mean, what is he going to do at this point other than beat people up, which would have been helpful tonight, Apparently, I guess. Apparently, that's what we need. Some people in the chat say we need some more physicality, so maybe we do need Nick Ritchie back in the lineup. We, we definitely needed some body checking. There was a yes, big lack yeah. of that. Uh, shout out to Alex Rodriguez on Twitter who says, are the constant outshot games a consequence of Kyle's, or Kyle's Carlisle's system? Greetings from Mexico. Alex, thanks for tuning in, my friend. We appreciate the uh, the question here from Mexico. Uh, yes, I, I feel like this is Carlisle's fault, man. I know we talked a little bit earlier, but I still feel like it is. I haven't changed my stance on that. No, I, I, I think it is. And uh, I think we got two more questions here. And, and that, that comment right there kind of leads into one of our last questions here on Instagram from Jimmy. He said, should Carlisle be fired at this point? Uh I love Jimmy. I love that question. Uh, <laughs> As it stands today. Yet, yeah. So he's not going to be, I don't think, at all. I think they're going to ride ride him until his contract's up. Um, does he deserve to be fired? I think so. I th- but I thought he deserved to be fired in the playoffs last year. Yeah. No, that, that's what that, I was going to say, yeah. 
he deserved to be fired last season and they should have got, they should have either just let, um, Eakins take over or hire somebody else because it's just, it was awful hockey in the playoffs. No excuse for that eight goal, that eight goal game for the sharks. That's, that was ridiculous. And then like all the undisciplined play, it's like, I said this before, it's going to be a rant. And so I'm going to try to hold back on it, but it starts from the top, the way that you uh, portray this team and the way that you instill um, how this team's going to play starts at the top and the people you bring in the coaching staff and all that is that it was out of hand and it was, it was very, very, very uh, apparent last season, how this team was going to play. And then going into the season, yeah, you're missing guys again, blah, blah, blah. You know, cry me a river, dude. Um, your system sucks. You have yeah. faster players. These young players are fast and your system sucks. You're, you're getting outshot every game, outchanced every game. And you're letting your goaltender face a games with the shots in a second period, in the fifth game into the season. Like you, something needs to happen. And I think he's the guy who needs to take the cut. The way I see it is, is we're one John Gibson away from Randy Carlisle sitting on a really, really hot seat. If John Gibson wasn't doing what he was doing, the Ducks easily could have started the season with five straight losses. And if that had been the case, then maybe we would be talking this, uh, maybe talking about this a little more realistically. In, in the fact that Randy Carlisle could be fired, when you look at the record, and which obviously the team's going to do, and Randy Carlisle is going to refer to if if that ever came up, is hey, we're still three one and one. We're still near the top of the Pacific Division. We've beat some very good teams in the San Jose Sharks. Um, so and, you know we we got yeah, we got outshot, but we still only lost technically 4-3 and then an empty net goal. Those will be his excuses. Really, to me, it doesn't mean anything. John Gibson's the reason this team has won three games and scraped out a point against the Arizona Coyotes in, in a shootout. So that's that's really the difference for me. If if John Gibson wasn't there, Randy Carlisle would be on a really hot seat. 100%. And that, that kind of leads to the last question on Twitter that we have. It says, what can the team do to turn the shot difference around? Is it all five skaters, blue line, forward groups, or system? I mean, people are asking the right questions. That's yeah. a system. And that, that question comes from uh, Let's Go Ducks on Twitter. Uh, the Swinty at the Swinty was the handle on Twitter over there. Um, it's a system, man. I, I just I don't know what else to say about Randy Carlisle. I'm not happy with this situation. We're five games in. I know people might think I'm crazy for blowing him up like this, but I, it goes back to last season. It, it goes all the way back to last year. It was brutal. And you're relying on star players to carry this team rather than instilling a system that works and that can be successful over the long haul. They haven't done it yet. Yeah, I think the only way it gets better, of course, is getting the players that are injured back healthy and getting a more consistent, uh, experienced lineup. But the real fix is getting a new system, and you don't have a new system when you still have Randy Carlisle as a head coach. Uh, We'll probably, unfortunately, have to endure that for the rest of the season unless the Ducks are so bad and their record indicates how bad they are uh, to the point that maybe Randy Carlisle is fired middle of the season. But at that point, I don't really know who's available right now that it's worth even exploring that option and, and blowing it up in the middle of the season. I think at that point, they would just wait to the end, not renew his contract, maybe move on from a guy like Jakob Silverberg if he's still playing this well and, and try and get some assets for him and then see what you can do in the offseason. But it's it's honestly disappointing because the the fact, you know, I... I don't want to say I was one that believed they had uh, believed the hype from Bob Murray that saying that he was going to change the system. But you know, at some point, I bought into a little bit of the hype, hoping that maybe things had changed, that things were going to get a little bit better. I think everybody, everybody's slightly bought into it, right? I mean, at, at some point, you you kind of just buy into the hope that it was going to be better. Um, <laughs> it's been worse 
it's been completely worse. But the Ducks are still three and one and one, so it, it kind of glosses glosses over the fact that they've just played like complete dog shit. They can't be that dumb. There's no one in the stats side of the Ducks looking at this game and being like, they played all right. They just got a fortune. They lost. I mean, they only really, they really lost. Uh, four to three. You can't really count the empty net, or there's no goalie in that. So it's a one goal game. It's like no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, go to naturalstatric.com and look up the heat map for this game for the shots on goal, and you're like, wow, the Ducks played like shit. And look at it at five on five. Don't even look at it on the power play. Look at it on five on five. They played like trash. It, it was a bad game. And it's it, it, to me, it's Randy Carlisle. This is the same team, Eddie. We we said this like four times tonight. It's the same team as last year. Same exact team. Some injuries, sure. This team was missing their their best defenseman last season, the beginning of the year. Remember that? And uh, they they still had a winning record and went to the playoffs. Okay, that that's that's not Randy Carlisle's doing. That's people on the ice making uh, differences because they're elite level players on a bad team. Um, the Ducks have a lot of work to do, but it, it all comes down to the system. And I don't understand Randy Randy Carlisle whatsoever and what he's doing with this team. No, no, that's that's pretty much it for the questions. We just had a comment from Anaheim Ducks fan on Instagram, kind of backing me up here. He says, "Hey guys, love your show. I might be the only person from Alberta that listens to your show, so go Ducks." So there we go. Canada, as Gordon Bombay said in the chat, is not a place that's made up to teach people manners. We actually exist. Yeah, Rebecca's in the chat too, sticking up for Canada as well, man. So shout out to you Canadians uh, showing up tonight, man, including you, Eddie. It's uh, it's what twelve thirty in the morning. Well, I have to show up. <laughs> <laughs> so before we go, we got to give a shout out, man, to CoolHockey.com. If you like hockey jerseys and you like hockey and you listen to us, it's all good for you because you can get twenty percent off by using the promo code FM twenty. Go to CoolHockey.com, get your favorite jersey. Buy one for your friends. Buy one for your family. Uh, give yourself a gift of all that hard work you do Monday through Friday and uh, put on a cool hockey jersey. They're authentic. They're great. They're the best threads. Now, they're not some, something from China or Russia where you buy online where you're like, what the hell is this color on this jersey? It makes no sense to me. Why did I pay for this? Uh, just go and get the correct one there. They're so cool that they also sponsor our Forever Mighty three-star leaderboard, which we do every single night. That There's a Ducks game where you're able to pick um, – some, are you able to answer a couple of uh, or three questions, actually, not a couple? Um, and if you get them right, there's a point system here. Eddie puts it all together. It goes the entire month. At the end of the month, we raffle off a brand new jersey for you. Um, but in the meantime, if you need to buy one now, go to coolhockey.com and pick one up there. And be sure to use our promo code FM20 to get uh, the, the percentage off there for you. Get you 20% off your jersey. Enjoy it. Love them. And, uh, yeah, go and do that. And then participate in our three stars. Why not? Give it a shot. Get a chance to win a jersey there. Um, you got anything else, uh, Eddie, before we sign off? Yeah, some some actual big news. Vincent on Twitter is, is claiming to know the meaning behind chicken salad expression. Uh, he said there's an expression that goes making chicken salad out of chicken shit, meaning to make something good out of a bad situation, which would maybe explain why uh, Ehlers paused after saying the chicken salad reference as to not go into saying the full thing saying making chicken salad out of chicken shit because you probably wouldn't be able to get away with saying that on tv sorry i just cleared my throat there yeah that's <laughs> that's i don't know man i don't know what to say about anything that Oller says anymore I, I i don't know if that's a real thing i'm just gonna have to google it you have to google that and check it out um that's funny at least though. i would give him some credibility to that saying because right now no <laughs> i've never heard of that but right now everybody has no idea what he said so at least if that's a thing 
then he can at least lean on that i guess i mean maybe he did right maybe that's maybe that's a real thing for sure who knows but uh that's quite a funny if it's true but allers i mean you're you're uh you're supposed to be catering to the young crowd man not the old timer crowd you know okay everyone watching these games is not your age they're all they're all connor <laughs> mcdavid fans we're not playing that game anymore um <laughs> i can't help it i can't i can't make anything good of what john Holler says no. <laughs> with this his one-liners are brutal um quick shout out again to uh to everybody who's participating in the Patreon, everyone coming in on the chat here. We love all of our fans, uh, all the F, all the FM three-star people that are putting up on the leaderboard to try to win a jersey. We love all the participation. And we hope to see as many of you as possible out at our watch party next Saturday. Eddie's flying down next Thursday, so he'll be here for that. And then we're all going to show up at the Paul Career uh, Jersey Retirement Night next Sunday. Um, if you join Patreon, like we mentioned earlier, you have a chance. And it doesn't matter what tier you put in. It could be a dollar. It could be $2. It could be $10. I mean, we have different tiers. But uh, all you have to do is sign up for a buck and you have the chance to win a jersey. I think we're doing that raffle tomorrow because you give people a heads up if latest Monday. But uh, we're going to be doing a raffle in the next two days to, to uh, give away two seats in the lower 200 or in the lower bowl, in the 200 section. Uh, and we'll all be there as well. We'll come hang um, and have a good time. But you get two free tickets to a great night, a historic night uh, for the Ducks. But uh, after that, man, that's it. Do you got anything else? Or are we Are we time to sign off? Uh, no, just an update for tomorrow's game. Um, we should still be live. We just don't know exactly what time we're going to be live at. So this is for anybody in the chat right now, anybody listening to the show, obviously, before tomorrow's game against St. Louis. Um, we're still trying to figure out what time we're going to be able to go live at. We will have a show. We just don't know exactly what time it's going to be at. Yeah, I'll be at a wedding. Jason will be at a wedding. Uh, his brother's getting married, so not much I can do about that. And the wedding starts at the exact game time for tomorrow night against St. Louis. So we'll figure it out. We'll keep you guys posted. If it's a next day thing, I hope it's not, but it might have to be. We'll see. Either way, you're getting a show. I hope it's Sunday night, though. Um, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. You know where to find us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Forever Mighty. And uh, check us out there. We'll talk to you guys soon.